0: Well, today is a national day of prayer and fasting uh, across the denominations of our church, uh, of, our, of our nation, the denominations of churches across our nation. So why don't we just take a moment right now to express our prayers and our offering of uh, prayer you know, to the Lord this morning. Why don't you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are very much sitting on the throne that you are sovereign over all. And today we raise our voices with hundreds of brothers and sisters of our faith community in our nation. And Lord, we just ask right now that you would minister to your people. You would minister to them in such a rich way that they would sense your presence, your power, your peace. Lord, that there'd be an overwhelming understanding that you are still on the throne over this, incredible time in our history. You are Lord over the coronavirus and you are Lord over our fears. You are Lord over our government leaders. You are Lord over all. And so Lord, we just declare that sovereignty over the nation of Australia. We just ask for incredible encouragement and comfort to come to your people in this time. We ask for those who are very sick uh, with this disease, Lord, that you would bring healing to their bodies Lord we ask that you would bring wisdom to our leaders and God we just ask more than anything that our nation might turn its face back towards you that it might find itself on its knees in repentance before you once again Lord and we just 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 declare that you are king of kings and lord of lords over our lives and we just trust you with the days ahead in Jesus mighty name amen amen well it's great having you here this morning uh, or this afternoon or this evening wherever you're watching the service. And uh, thank you so much team. Wasn't it great to have our young girls up here singing, raising their voice. Thank you guys. Really beautiful. Uh, we love them tremendously. And kids, if you're out there watching, uh, you know it's great to have you here too. You're part of our you are part of us. you're part of our church and we love you. And in fact, wherever you're watching today, the the service, you know, you might be in a house service, or you might be doing buddy church with a friend or with another family, or maybe you're still isolating and and you're on your own today. Um, but we just want you to know that we greatly love you and we're thinking of you, and we pray for you each week. And uh, and you know, we just we just hope that you have that sense that we're with you right there where you are. Um, it's it's. Uh, It's great to have you. And if you are not uh, normally a part of a Strong Nation church and you're watching today, well, well, it's great to have you as our guest and I hope you really enjoy the service today and you feel ministered too. So uh, I'm going to continue on with our series and, you know, the the word that uh, God gave Pastor Rick over 2020 was you know all about redeeming the time for the days of evil. How would we have even imagined what the days of 2020 would have looked like? Uh, and so we're really pressing into this idea of God doing something new in our midst. There's no doubt about it. We, we really sense he's doing something new. It's a, it's a new wine, a new wineskin kind of day. And uh, and so I want to I speak today about a topic uh, called Redeeming the Sacred Space. So if you're a note taker and you'd like to take notes today the title of my message is redeeming the sacred space. Uh, you know there's there's a lot of debate going on right now about uh, the restrictions. You know we're obviously in our second wave of coronavirus and uh, you know we're trying to stay agile and on our feet as things kind of change and the news comes day by day and we always sort of brace ourselves for what's coming next. Uh, and uh, and there's been a lot of debate over uh, you know, what what the restrictions mean for the church. It's like all the rocks have gone back in the jar. You know, we've gone back to work. Kids have gone back to school. We're, we've gone back to sports and extracurricular activities. Uh, you know, football's playing again. Apparently Panthers had a big win last night. You know, yeah, okay. Yeah, my husband's very excited about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of the rocks have gone back in the jar, but this... This one thing that we do that is so much a part of our life of going to church every week is it's the one rock that is still not being able to be put back in the jar. And so I, I think there's been a lot of questions about that. Like, I guess it, it's uh, it's the right atmosphere for a bit of conspiracy theories to be going around. And uh, for a sense, many believers have this sense that uh, our, our freedoms, our religious freedoms are actually under under attack. And uh, a lot of questions are being asked about about this. I mean, even the Supreme Court in the US have had to, you know, rule over keeping church gatherings under 50 uh, people and, uh, you know, and so I, I get the unrest. I get the questioning that, that's been going on and, and this, this conspiracy, whether we think it's human or a spiritual against the church and against the gathering of the church. I mean, even if we're allowed to meet, we have all these extra restrictions, like we can't even raise our voice in song and worship to the Lord, which is such a big part of, you know, our gathering together. And we can't even shout an amen. Apparently we're going to just kill everyone's grandmother as soon as we do that. Uh, you know, we can't fellowship afterwards. It's it's a it's an intense kind of time and a real time of questioning for the church. And of course, all that is a really big problem if we define our Christianity as gathering in a building for a worship service. If we see the practice of our faith as solely connected to the events that occur in that gathered space, well then we we have a I think we have a right to think we've got a, a problem. Uh, you know, if we're if we only imagine ourselves being the church in a dedicated sacred space like our you know facility here at Hawkesbury or like you know the the hall up there at Ellison Public School or or wherever we might gather you know if we if we only think of ourselves as the church in that dedicated sacred space then of course we do have a problem but I actually want to suggest to you today that being a follower of Jesus is actually not all about that and I'm the first person to say how much I miss the gathering I miss it, I miss being able to hug you all I miss the sounds uh, the sound of hundreds of voices being raised in worship. You know, I'm so grateful that I've had those incredible experiences over the years of gathering in conferences where there's been, you know, 20,000 people worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus and I honestly think when we get together in those kind of gatherings, we get a sense of what heaven's going to be like. We we sort of touch a little corner of heaven in that moment and it's just so beautiful, so profound. Uh, And and I miss it. I really do miss that gathered expression of the church. But I want to tell you that the, the truth is that our brothers and sisters in places like China and Russia and Iran, all over the world, they have never had that experience, nor are they likely to ever have it until they reach heaven. And yet the kingdom of God is moving more significantly in those countries than it is right here in our Western world got to ask ourselves some questions about where our priorities are because we want the kingdom of God to advance powerfully too and if we think it's all about this large gathering in a sacred space in a large sacred space we might be missing what God is actually up to I don't think that's the big question that's been on our lips and you know as we've talked to other church leaders and pastors you know we're all asking the question what is God up to What is he doing? What is he he thinking about when it comes to the sacred spaces of our lives? You know, if you don't quite understand what I mean by the sacred spaces, I'm just going to give you a little definition of of sacred. It's something considered to be holy and deserving respect, especially because of a connection with God. It's something dedicated or set apart for the service or worship of a deity. (laughs) And I read another meaning. It says considered too important to be changed. You know, like a sacred cow. And I can't help but wonder whether we've got sacred cows going on, and not enough sacred spaces going on. So <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna press into this thought today. I guess we traditionally do think of of church as coming to a sacred space. And there's so many beautiful, beautiful sacred spaces that have been created over the years place of great welcome of home of of adoration for God and but the trouble is there's so many people that go into that sacred space on a Sunday and then as soon as they walk out of it you know they they kind of disconnect their life from that from anchoring it you know in the God of that sacred space they kind of disconnect and they live their lives in all of its busyness and fullness and, uh, and don't give much thought until the next Sunday when they turn, turn up to church again. And, uh, and I, I think maybe we have a few WWJD moments, you know, like, oh, okay, what would Jesus do in this difficult situation? Uh, but often we, we don't give a lot of thought to it. And, and I think that's maybe, you know, essentially where that, the long reign of Western European Christendom has kind of left us. But it's very clear to me that God is shaking the earth and with it, those traditional sacred spaces are being challenged. I was thinking—I was thinking about how they've been challenged over the years. You know, like there was such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the 1970s, and churches exploded. And we started to see people that they couldn't even possibly uh, meet in a home or in a, you know, a traditional uh, sacred space. They had to hire factories and outfit them so they could fit all the people in because God was doing this incredible thing and kind of the mega church movement kind of exploded into the 80s and the 90s and we had to build these very special uh, you know spaces in order to house the body of Christ Um, and you know back then even back then the the local councils they always made provision for there to be a place for a church to be in a new development area. There was always some sort of land set aside. There was an understanding that the church would be, you know, part of the main street, uh, just like a school. But you know what? That's not the case anymore. The world has changed. And I think the Western church hasn't noticed that we've been living in a post-Christendom world for quite some time now. I think God might just have our attention as to what's happening around us. And if he didn't have it before, coronavirus is certainly helping us pay attention. So what is he saying? What's God doing? Well, I'd like to suggest that he's actually doing what he's always done. It's just that now we're noticing. (laughs) Jesus did not conduct his life and ministry as a temple priest. He didn't use the sacred space Of his day to train and equip his disciples. In fact, many of the people that Jesus reached weren't even welcome in the temple in those days. You think about the the prostitutes and the tax collectors and you know the lepers that that they had no place in the temple, and yet they were the very people that Jesus was reaching. He was reaching the poorest of the poor, the lowest of the low. You know, he, he he was gathering people that would never set foot in a temple. And I think that we can redeem the spaces of our life to become dedicated to the things of the Spirit. And so I want to have a look at the way, the way, we, the way we gather, the way we belong. And uh, some time ago, we were introduced to a book called The Four Spaces of Belonging, and it, re- it was really just a look at how anthropologists um, have examined um, humanity, human existence, and and looked at the ways we gather, the, the places that we find real connection. And they basically found these four spaces of, of belonging. And, and I want to just very quickly kind of teach you a little bit about those. And then I want to talk to you about how Jesus used those spaces in, in his life, in his day. So for the first of all is the intimate space. The intimate space is, you know, like one to three people uh, it's, it's where we would find the husband and wife relationship or the best friend relationship or the mentor-mentee relationship. Um, and it's a space where we are the most visible or the most known, the most understood by another human being. In fact, I'd say it's also the, the space where people know things about us that we don't know about ourselves, like, you know, where they know our blind spots. Um, and, and so that's, that's the intimate space. The personal space is, you know, around five to 12 people, uh, roughly. The personal space is that small group space. So it might include your nuclear family or your friendship circle or your mother's group or your sports team or maybe the the team that you work with. And and we're well-known in this space, although some things can remain hidden or private. There's a a focus and intention in this space and a commitment to each member. And then we move to the social space. The social space is about your people, your village. It's that space of the extended clan. You know, perhaps it's the extended family and friends of your friendship circle. And it can be your biological family, but not necessarily. It might just be the people that you most identify with. It might be like your netball club or, you know, the local pub or the hobby or common common interest group. Uh, You know, a a bit of both. It's a space where we share snapshots of ourselves, you know. Who am I? Where do I live? What do I enjoy? I can sort of control what you know about me in that space. In historical terms, actually, the, the social space has been a very practical space of protection and provision. As the community has kept each other alive and well, and it's given them a sense of purpose and mission and responsibility for one another. We live in this affluent world, this post industrial independent Western world, where that space has actually taken quite a beating. Cities have taken over communities. Our roles have become more and more specialized. Families are forced further and further apart. Fences are being built higher. We're living amongst strangers. Governments have taken over roles of protection and provision. But, you know, that ache that we have to find your tribe and belong to your tribe actually remains in the heart of all of us. The truth is that the average church size in Australia actually fits right into this space, which is interesting. Strong Nation fits into the next space, the public space of about 100 people or more. And the public space is the space of the shared experience, you know, like a concert or a sports event or a show. But this is also a space where we can remain almost completely anonymous, which is interesting when you think about how we most identify this as the space of the church. And I ask you, Strong Nation family, to reflect for just a minute on that thought. So how did Jesus use these spaces Oh, we're, going to have a, we're going to have a little look at some stories. It's really just a glance because uh, we don't have all that much time this morning. But I just want to give you an idea of how he used these spaces because he redeemed these spaces, these normal, natural relationship, connection and belonging spaces that we have lived in as, as you know the human world for thousands of years. And he redeemed each of these spaces and made them sacred. And I just wonder today whether we might be able to lean in a little and redeem these spaces in our lives. So let's let's have a look at how Jesus used them. First of all, the intimate space. You know, Jesus had the most profound one-on-one encounters with people. And he didn't talk about the weather. He redeemed those spaces and he made them life-changing, spiritual, destiny-making encounters. You know, consider his conversation with Peter. I always marvel at this conversation. At the end of it all, and Jesus has died, he's been resurrected, and Peter has has uh, you know gone through the shameful, regretful moment where he denied Jesus three times. And I I can imagine he really had his hat in his hand when he had to face a resurrected Jesus after that. But Jesus has this beautiful conversation with Peter and in this moment of shame and guilt, he, he restores Peter back to his original calling and destiny. It says here in, in John 21, it says, When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? What was Jesus doing here? He was taking each moment, each regretful, shameful, guilt-filled moment of Peter's denial of Christ and he was redeeming every one of those decisions and restoring Peter to his destiny and his calling. He redeemed that moment. Consider the woman at the well. The the woman at the well in the middle of the day was there again for a very shameful reason. She was snubbed by her community. She was a known to be a sinful woman and uh, she'd just been completely rejected by the society that she lived in and yet Jesus has this incredible conversation with her by the well as says in John chapter 4 Jesus said to her you are right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband what you have just said is quite true In this conversation, Jesus has a word of knowledge and pierces through what she's telling him to to speak the truth about her. And in that moment, this woman at the well understood that she was being seen by God. She was being seen and heard by God, that he could see and hear her. I think this is so powerful in this intimate exchange that Jesus has with her, that she knows that she is seen and heard, and he, you know, he just reveals to her the truth about himself that he hadn't even revealed to anyone else, and uh, and you know, she kind of becomes the first evangelist as she goes back to her town and says, "Come and see the man who's told me all the things I've done." You know, he's he he saw her, and in that moment, she knew she was seen by God. Oh, I tell you, those 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 intimate exchanges can be redeemed, and become so sacred, so powerfully sacred. I know I've told this story many times, but I always think of this story. It always comes up. It's just part of my testimony that in those moments where I was ready to walk out of my marriage as a young married woman, it was a phone call from my childhood pastor out of the blue who just said, Hi, Naomi, I was just praying this morning and the Holy Spirit put you on my heart. And in that moment, I knew I had been seen by God. And it changed everything. It was like, it, was, it just couldn't even be on the cards anymore for me to chuck in my marriage and walk away. I just couldn't do it. Something in me so changed. And while I didn't have all the answers, I didn't know what it was going to look like, I just knew I'd been seen by God. And it, it just left me changed forever. And you would know, you know, that moment where you know God sees you and understands you, that moment you encountered Jesus is so such a cha- life-changing thing. You don't always know how to put it into words. It's just, you know, I, I think of uh, The Chosen, and if you haven't seen it yet, we've given you plenty of time, so I'm, I'm not apologising for spoiling anything. But in that moment where Mary Magdalene's asked, what happened to you? You know, what 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 happened? And she said, well, I was one way, and then I met Jesus, and everything's different. Now I'm another way. It's, it's, it's all different. It's that. Exchange In that intimate space. And I want to tell you that God can redeem the intimate spaces of your life. He can use you to redeem those spaces. To be God encounters. Encounters where people understand that they are being seen and heard by almighty God. And you know God even equipped you with the holy spirit with the same gifts that jesus exercised to have words of knowledge and discernment and you know encouragement over people's lives so that they truly understand that they've been seen by god so that's the intimate space let's have a look at the personal space i guess in some ways this is the space we most see jesus in it was the space where he had his 12 disciples in Matthew 4, 19, it says, he, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There was something very intentional about gathering this small group of men for him to disciple and to show the way and to give them purpose and to give them a ministry of their, of their very own. You know, he made this a very sacred space because the premise of their gathering was built on growing and learning and understanding the kingdom of God, understanding who Jesus was, understanding what God was doing on the earth. He made this a sacred space. And, and I want to ask you, who are you growing with? Who are you accountable to? Who are you learning with or learning from or who are you teaching? Who are you committed to? you know you can call it what you like and over the years it's had many names small groups connect groups cell groups life groups huddles (laughs) you know they've gone by different names but the same idea is there that we commit ourselves to that personal space and to those people in that space and we redeem it so that it's sacred, so that it's focused on what the Spirit is saying, what the Spirit is doing and how he is moving, where it's focused on the advancement of the kingdom, where it's focused on his kingdom come, his will be done. Hey, what better way to redeem the time in these evil days than to commit to a small group of people to grow with them, to learn with I want to encourage you, just as Jesus used that space and used it so incredibly, I mean, we wouldn't be the church today if it wasn't for, you know, that, that, the stuff that he, he uh, imparted into those 12 and then what they did then in turn with others around them and it's just growing through the ages to, the, to this day here, today. How, how might God use the personal space in your life if you redeem it and make it sacred? The social space is kind of the unspoken space of Jesus' life. It's there very clearly in in the story of the Gospels. But it's not necessarily something that has jumped out at us over the years. But the social space was really significant because, uh, you know, in those days, people lived and functioned out of their household, out of their oikos, out of their community. Um, and, And Jesus was no different. Jesus actually... Uh, when he began his ministry life, he moved in with Simon Peter into his home. He had his mother-in-law there, his wife, his brother, and uh, and whatever other extended family there might have been in that in that household. And the Bible actually talks about the women that were there that were were literally financing the ministry, and um, and I bet they were doing a fair bit of cooking for those fellas too. Uh, you know, they made financial contributions and. Uh, you know, there were, there were many others, many other followers who weren't a part of the 12, but were a part of that community, that social space around Jesus that really helped him do his ministry. And we can see how Jesus actually made this a very sacred space. You know, I mean, this was a very common space. This was how people survived. This was a community of provision and protection and, you know, and, and um, fellowship and belonging. You know, it was, a, it was just a normal space. But Jesus made it sacred. And he made that in a few different ways, but one of the ways that he made it sacred was that he actually showed, he demonstrated that this, uh, that that what was really important, this family that he was now functioning out of, this household that he was functioning out of, it wasn't even his blood family. He he made quite a point of that. He he actually said, who are my mothers and brothers and sisters? You know, there's an account of that in in Mark chapter 3, where where he actually says, it's actually those that are doing the will of God will of God with me. It's those who are serving with me. It's those that are on mission with me. That kind of left his blood family out in the cold for a little while and eventually they became a part of his mission. It took them a while to see Jesus uh, in that light. But you know, he, he showed us that family is about our adoption by God into his family. That family is about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he and really challenged the thinking about how we how we uh, you know use this social space and make it sacred because it was about the mission it was about the kingdom it had spiritual purpose right from the most common practical detail that needed to be attended to 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 the most profound spiritual events that happened. You know, we know God uh, Jesus performed miracles in this in the space of the household. He he healed Simon Peter's mother. You know, he, he performed miracles in that space. But it was also the space where they 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 needed to lay their head to sleep and they needed to be fed and he made that sacred. And I think of I think of Lydia. I just wish they'd written more about Lydia in Acts. You can find the story in Acts 16. And Paul goes to share the gospel to, to a group of women and Lydia responds. And, I mean, she, she responds. She encounters God and she says, Paul, come to my house. Establish yourself in my house. Let's do this thing out of my household. She brought Paul into that community in that town so that he could plant a work there. He could... Begin a kingdom work there. Incredible woman, Lydia. I I just want to encourage us to really think about how we redeem that social space in our lives and what that looks like. You know, as a church, we've really tried to put some focus and emphasis on that so that we we have a, a real Jesus community, a fantastic, encouraging, resilient Jesus community to belong to and it's, and it's hard. It's actually challenging to commit to that when life is so full and so busy and we're pulled this way and that. And there's, there's so many other things, you know. I remember when Charlie started doing dance at, at a very popular dance studio in Penrith. Oh, my goodness. They function like a social space on mission. And they just would absorb every hour of your weekend and your afternoon, your evening, if you let them but it wasn't sacred, it's secular. It's a secular social space and we've got lots of those in our life. But I just wonder in this season whether God might cause us to redeem those spaces in a way to make them sacred, to make them about God's work, God's mission, that we would find belonging and identity amongst God's people on mission, whatever that might look like. I love what Karen Stuttle's doing up there you know, in, um, in up in upper, upper Karajong, <laughs> Karajong Heights, <laughs> you know, just loving on the people up there. And she's just drawn so many people into uh, a, a, real, a really a sacred space. And uh, while they do very practical things like cooking meals and checking in on the elderly and, and, uh, and just just loving on their, their town, it's actually incredibly sacred. It's actually incredibly profound and incredibly kingdom. So I want to encourage us, how can God redeem our social space? And I really want to emphasise the importance of our homes in that. You know, our homes are sacred spaces. And I don't mean sacred cow spaces, because that's the way a lot of us live. Like the house is a museum or it's like a trophy of what we've achieved and we really don't want people walking on the rug. Uh, but actually, I would like to encourage us all to have homes that are sacred spaces. They're dedicated to God. They're dedicated to the work of God. They're dedicated to an expression of faith. You know, the hands and feet of Jesus in our homes. And whether whether God might just challenge us to use our homes a little more, especially in this season of coronavirus, you know, it's harder to find a neutral, you know, external space um, to to gather in, but, you know, our homes are still open for business. Romans 12, 13 tells us, always be eager to practise hospitality because our homes can become the place of incredible sacred exchanges. Now, the last one that Jesus used, the, the last space, is the public space. And he'd often find himself within a crowd of people And they became part of that common, shared experience. You know, they watched him heal people and minister to need, feed the 5,000. You know, they were part of something pretty incredible. They heard him teach profound things, beautiful things about the kingdom of God. And there was no building for these crowds. (laughs) They were too big. Jesus, the original (laughs) megachurch. He used the hillsides and boats to speak to them. And he made that sacred as he demonstrated the power of God, the as supernatural, as he, as he pushed back at the current culture and taught things that was very countercultural, very kingdom culture. He spoke of heaven and, and he, he really just used that space in such a beautiful way. And while right now we don't have a literal public space, the truth is we're sharing in that common experience right now. Hundreds of homes all over this western part of Sydney and homes even on the other side of the world, jails on the other side of the world. <laughs> the public space has become an interesting space in the day that we live in. And I want you to know that you're part of a shared experience in, the, in that. And one day we will get together again One day we will gather. I'm going to enjoy it so much. But I want to ask you today, how are you going to let God redeem those other spaces of belonging in your life? Paul really understood that the temple wasn't the place where it was all supposed to happen. He understood that Jesus did something very profound when he came. and The coming of the Holy Spirit just sealed the deal. He said in 1st Corinthians 6:19, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Jesus didn't use the sacred space of his day to achieve his ministry. And I think there's a great challenge on us today. Has God got your attention? public space is limited, it's different. So how will we redeem the other natural spaces of belonging in our lives? Maybe we can make a decision to be more vulnerable and open in that intimate space. Maybe we can really lean into the gifts of the Holy Spirit in that space and make them sacred. Maybe it's time to lean into and learn in that personal space, time to be committed, maybe to lead or to be a part of something. And maybe we can redeem the social spaces in our life to be more on kingdom mission. And one day we'll appreciate the joys of the public space. In the meantime, we'll just be patient and have great anticipation (laughs) while we wait for this pandemic to pass. And it will pass. I think there's an opportunity for us all to be very spirit-minded and to be open to how God can redeem those spaces in our life. So I want to pray for you. And, uh, you know, we'll dismiss the actual service, but I know for, for those of you that are gathered together, we actually would love for you to share a communion moment with it, with each other over some morning tea, afternoon tea, lunch, whatever, whatever the next meal is for you guys. Uh, that you'd actually take something to eat and take something to drink and have a moment of thanking Jesus for his body and his blood and for all that he has done. And so I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you, I'm going to throw to you to, to have that moment with those that you're watching the service with. But I just want to pray for you right now that, that God might speak to you about how to redeem these spaces of belonging in your life. And to make them sacred, to redeem the sacred space. That maybe once you only thought of as a church building, but maybe now you'll see through different eyes that those opportunities are all around you. Let me pray for you. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, I thank you for the incredible example of Jesus' life. We thank you for that encounter with him that changes everything. And I pray this morning that if those, there are those that are watching the, the the service today that if they don't know you, that they might actually encounter you in this moment and they might actually decide to put their trust in you and to live their lives for you and following you. But Lord, for all of us, I just pray that in these very natural spaces of belonging, spaces of connection, which are just all too important in this strange time that we're living in. That, God, you would help us redeem them and make them sacred, make them dedicated to the work and worship of an almighty God. Lord God, that we would find ways to encourage one another and to grow with one another and to be on mission with one another. Lord, that we'd find our Jesus community that that is able to, uh, you know, fulfil great kingdom purpose on the earth. And Lord God, I, I pray for each of us that are really missing that corporate uh, public space of gathering and worshiping. Lord, you just minister comfort to us. And I pray today more than ever, you would just give us a sense that we are together. Even though we're not physically together, we really are together in this. And God, I just pray for hearts that prevail and a, a fire in our bellies that never goes out. Lord, just bless your church, bless your people today as we redeem the time for the days are evil. Bless us, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, this part of the service is over. Now it's over to you. Have a great time of communion together. We'll see you next week.